You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to episode 117 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne, it's great to be chatting with you after a week off. I know it is exam season for you uh, right now, Chad. Uh, Trade deadline only a couple of weeks away, but we're not going to be talking about that. Before we get into what we're going to be chatting about this episode, uh, guys, how are we doing? Doing good, Harp. I'm here wearing my Devils jersey. First time I've cracked it out for an episode in quite some time, and that's simply because they're just exciting to watch all of a sudden. Highest points per game or goals per game in the month of February. Jack Hughes with the most points in 2022. Don't know if that's a true stat or not. Uh, Jesper Bratt scoring at will. It's just a fun team to watch. So uh, here I am in my Devils jersey. How do you like that? looking looking good and so is jack hughes that was a stat that was true for a bit not sure if it still is but you know having a fantastic second half to the season breakout candidate if you will um but yeah dude just you know i see that you've moved which is great because now i don't have to look at the weights that you know you're not using in the background because you know i was sick of looking at that in your gym slash office slash whatever but you know it is good it is what it is it's the motivation room exactly the motivation room that's a good one right now as you guys can see i've got a sort of green look going on i've got my toronto st pat's mitchell marner jersey in the background because it is march we're coming up on on st patrick's day so i thought i'd get into the theme and you know speaking of a weekend about drinking uh that one was that just passed it was Paige's birthday and oh my god guys what a weekend it was so much fun Paige is in her mid-20s now officially she's 25 and uh we had an absolute bat blast great people you know great times whatever it was a fantastic weekend so i'm in a great mood other than the fact that i have a shit ton of work to catch up on this week and uh you know another midterm coming up to uh to be done on mondays so a lot to do but in a good mood boys congrats Paige. one of the first to hit the quarter life crisis right on No, I'm kidding. That's uh, that's great to hear. And uh, let's get into a little fantasy corner. So, Chad, let's go to you and uh, get the roasting of me out of the way. <laughs> Harp, man. So Harper and I played last week. And when you look at the standings, he's in 12th place out of 14 right now. And the only two teams that are behind him are guys who don't set their lineups on a regular basis. In fact, the guy in last, Hornytown OnlyFans, has not used his account because he got locked out of it after week three. So keep that in mind, Harper. Those are the only two guys right now who are below you in the standings. And and so that's that's pretty pathetic, not going to lie. And speaking of pathetic, last week, I absolutely pounded you. It wasn't close. I doubled up your <laughs> score. Uh, and even though... You were projected for 137, and you you exceeded that by by getting 163. I just absolutely crushed you, and it wasn't even close. Still at in first place here. The meatheads are never going to catch me again, and I'm just riding this high. And as long as I keep playing teams like Harper, I'm smooth sailing until the playoffs. 
Wow, I uh, I have nothing to add. Case, uh, do you want to <laughs> go to you next? <laughs> well, I finished last week with the most points in the entire league, 257. Absolutely destroyed LVB. My team overperformed. His team underperformed. Starting that week, I think we were projected within three points. I beat him 257.7 to 179.5 on a little bit of a heater right now. The week before was a pretty big one, too. Now I'm playing uh, the Horny town locked out of my accounts so another dub here and uh trying to claw my way back into a playoff position after you know just always taking a beating with the most points against in the entire league and the second most points for it so uh yeah i'm I'm pretty excited a lot of my guys are starting to you know really heat it up like there's been a few guys that have, have been mainstays in my lineup that have been good night in night out you know your jt millers your aho your yossi but holy god like braden points finally looking like a second round pick and jack and nico are like studs jamie ben's performing it's it's working out that playoff race is going to be tight because i'm looking at it now from seven to ten like that's anyone's spots like for number seven and eight for the last two playoff spots so it's going to be tight so best of luck to you yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, fellas, let's get into the uh, the meat and potatoes of the episode. So we're going to be revisiting our preseason uh, conference uh, projected standings. So uh, we will start with the Western Conference. And uh, Chad, you mentioned how it's going to be tight for those uh, last couple of playoff spots in the Boys and Booth Fantasy Hockey League. While the same uh, goes for uh, the Western Conference, really tight uh, playoff race right now, particularly in the Pacific Division. Uh, so we're going to take a look at both the Pacific and the Central Divisions. Look back uh, at our original projected standings sort of go over where we were right and where we were wrong as well so let's get into the pacific division uh i'm just gonna list off how we had it at the beginning of the season and uh and then we can talk about each team uh for uh, for a minute or two and then uh last we will uh give the uh, actual standings where they are right now how does that sound fellas sounds good All right, perfect. So with the Pacific at the beginning of the year, we had Vegas in number one, Edmonton at two, Vancouver at three, Calgary in fourth spot, L.A. at five, Seattle in sixth, San Jose in seventh, and Anaheim in eighth. So let's start with the Vegas Golden Knights currently third in the Pacific Division. So, Case, do you want to kick it off talking about Vegas, kind of where we were right and where – we were wrong. Yeah, it, it was kind of the consensus team. I, I do want to go back to my own rankings eventually here, you know, if we could do that. But talk about Vegas, you know, we are all consensus have them at number one. And honestly, it could still end out that way in this season. They've got uh, a few players back healthy. I know Mark Stone's out, but they got Jack Eichel in. So it's like, I'll take that trade, honestly. Um, And kind of a lot of the things that we said about this team have come true in that, you know, their goaltending tandems worse off with uh, with the Vesna winning goalie being gone. But it's still not terrible. They uh, lost some depth and that is affecting them a little bit. And yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else to say other that than we had this team at number one, mostly because of the division. I think we all kind of agreed that they weren't as good as the year before. You know, we we 
expect them to take a step back but compared to this division you know still saw them a top team for sure yeah and i think having them first is is like fair even now because they've just lost so many man games throughout the season and we knew they were going to get better as the season went on you know as guys get healthy and whatnot as they got jack eichel etc but they just haven't had a fully healthy team for a lot of the season and so like putting them in first i don't think we can say that that was wrong to do in the preseason because i think they're still the best team in this division i think in terms of like a team that might have surprised us there are a few here so maybe we could like start talking about that if you guys are in yeah definitely uh we'll go to uh to the number two uh team that we that we had there and that's uh the edmonton oilers so they're in fourth battling for a wild card spot right now they're two points behind the nashville predators let's get into the oilers a little bit <clears throat> Uh, I, we'll I listened back to this episode and I, I listened to it on like times two speed to rip through and everything we said about this team was right <laughs> except where we had them in the rankings we were just ripping on their defense and their ability to keep the puck out of the net we were ripping on their goaltending tandem and we were complimentary towards their power play and to the top six and I think all of those things have have panned out the way we expect them to and all of the gripes we still have with this team are still problems and not being um focused on at all like i read the other day that edmonton's not pursuing a goalie so i guess they just hate the playoffs and and don't want to be in it for very long man like in terms of having them in second place where, where we ranked them in the preseason that I feel like that was a good ranking, especially looking through, you know, the first few weeks or even like the first month or two of the season, because they came out of the gate flying. But then some of those problems that you mentioned and that we talked about in the preseason really caught up with them. You know, their goaltending sucks. Their defense sucks. And like if they don't have depth scoring, then like just forget it. So obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl have been fantastic this year. Um, but like, what else do they have? You know, so we're hoping that, or, or Oilers fans, I should say, are hoping that, you know, they kind of figure that out. But if I were an Oilers fan, I'm on board with you case. I'd be like, get a goalie. Like, you know, you've needed one for a while now, get a freaking goalie. So, yeah, like they, they solved the coaching problem. And I think like they, they've been a lot better under Jay Woodcroft. I know, uh, Jonathan Kiriaku, our good buddy agrees with that, but, uh, there's still another problem there and that is the goaltending. And, you know, Koskinen has stolen some games for them as of late, but, um, you've, you've got, uh, Mike Smith, who's, you know, pushing 40 and, that tandem isn't going to get it done anymore. And then you've got Stuart Skinner, who is still developing as a young goaltender. So that problem is still there. Um, but yeah, we were we were very critical of Edmonton before the start of the season, and rightfully so. Then they kind of surprised us out of the gate, right, with that 16-5 and five start. And then they just fell right off after that. 2-11-2 in 14 games uh, afterwards. And so... Um, yeah, it just uh, it's been kind of up and down uh, since then. And uh, I don't think it would surprise any of us if they end up missing the playoffs. It, if they miss the playoffs, like what the hell? Like that can't happen, right? No, like that it's, cannot it's not happen. An and if it no. and if it does happen, like 
I, I think Connor McDavid goes, listen, I've been here for a long ass time. You've done nothing. Like, I'm out. And I know that comes up every year when Edmonton, you know, inevitably doesn't perform or get depth scoring or get goaltending or defense or whatever. And it's just the McDavid and Drysaddle show all year. But come on, I think at this point, if they don't make the playoffs this year, it could be a reality, especially because they're in such a weak division, too. Like, you, you can beat up on some of these teams. Like, anyway. Yep, definitely. All right, uh, guys, let's move on to who we had in that third spot. And speaking of Canadian teams, another one, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. uh, They're currently in sixth in the Pacific Division. And, uh, wow, it has been a complete turnaround since uh, the start of the season. Bruce Boudreaux has come in and has turned the Canucks right around. They may not make the postseason. You know, the the math is looking pretty tough. But, I mean, they're, they're in the race. And it could happen. Uh, they've been a lot better under Boudreaux. So uh, thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks? Well, I'll go ahead and admit that with my original rankings, the two teams I was the furthest off about, you know, I think I did very good in this division. Like looking back and listening back, I was like, nailed it. Vancouver, I was wrong about. A uh, little biasness there because I like them a lot. But we liked what they did in the offseason. We, we saw them make a move in a direction they said we want to win this year we're picking up good players we got oh yeah we got garland and dickinson and a handful of players a lot of moves so we were excited about it i think what we didn't expect was uh petterson to be so bad at the beginning of the year and besser and a a handful of other guys just not really performing Uh, of course we expected jt miller to be the second best player in the nhl like obviously um (laughs) So, yeah, like I was wrong about this team. I'll say that. But but if we were looking at these rankings since the beginning of 2022, this team is near the top. They've been so much better to the point where they're back in that conversation of what direction are they going to go? And it's going to they're going to trade four players. They're going to do it. And the players on the team are saying we're sick of the trade talks. Stop. This is our crew. We're going to do it. So. I don't know. I'm happy with where they are right now, but definitely uh, missed the mark on their projection. Yeah, this season right now feels sort of wasted for Vancouver. And, you know, they got their coaching change bump, as all teams do when they get a new coach. You go on a bit of a tear. But this seems, this coaching change, that is, seems a bit different in the sense that I think Boudreaux is the guy. So, like, they, they got their guy. And it's just a matter of time, or or it was just a matter of time before this team sort of unlocks their potential. And I think Boudreaux is the guy to do that. And you're seeing it now, like Pedersen's on a tear. I think he's over a point per game since since the coaching change. And Besser is stepping up. And JT Miller's been an unreal player all year. And obviously, you've got Thatcher Demko, who's one of the best goalies in the NHL. So, like, I think we looked at this team's potential and thought, Third sounds really good for this team, especially in, like we've said, you know, a bit of a weaker division. But it is kind of disappointing, uh, you know, how they performed out of the gate. But if we're just looking at this team since the coaching hire, like I think third seems, you know, reasonable. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. Wasted season. But next year, if we're doing this again, like I don't know if I would move them, to be honest. I mean, it, it's it's a difficult question. Obviously, teams change, but, you know. That's how I stand right now. 
Yeah, no, next season, I think that's very fair. Next season, they should be able to take a step and kind of have more consistency and be a better hockey team all year round. I don't think JT Miller is going to get moved. He's a driver for them, as we've mentioned. We're looking at uh, probably a Besser or a Garland. But yeah, since Boudreaux took over, it seems like everybody's been better and uh, and they've had a lot more success. So, uh, all right, that's, uh, that's Vancouver down. The Calgary Flames guys we had them at number four currently number one in the pacific division they have been red hot which seems like for uh, a lifetime now uh let's get into the calgary flames yeah so i said i was wrong about two teams in this division this is the other one i don't know if i mentioned that but calgary was the other team i was wrong about i had them in fifth like that i just didn't see them I, I guess I had a little bit of recency bias with their their seasons before the last two. It's just like I didn't really see this team working out. There's a lot of uh, trouble with the culture in the the locker room. There was a lot of talks of who was going to get traded, when and where. We thought their off season was more of a trade deadline move than an off season, I guess. And there's there's a little bit of a consensus that there's a lot of opportunity for bounce back on this team. Like I, I know I mentioned, I was like, Oh, it's time for Markstrom to have a bounce back season. Well, that one I was right about yep. the rest of the team. I just, I didn't see them all clicking and coming back on a bounce back year. Like they have so far this year and everyone is clicking. That's the thing with this team. Everyone's going and it's working. Yeah. Johnny Gaudreau was the guy for me that I looked at and I thought, obviously this bounce back is coming because I think at his very best, he had, mid 90 point range and so like i don't know if he's on pace to to do that i think he's even on pace for over 100 points right now but just like expecting a bounce back season there's been so much talk about a guy like that you know maybe moving you know calgary not extending him whatever but i think now you know he's proven that he can do it and like the other thing too was the coaching like I know I was pretty critical of the coaching and I haven't gone back and listened to our Pacific Division rankings but I I remember like thinking that this coaching wasn't going to work because you know they needed a guy who was going to play Mangiapane more they needed a more offensive structure because they have weapons up front but for whatever reason this team has bought in and they've bought in hard and everything is going right for this team uh you know markstrom at one point this year had more shutouts than the canadians had wins with like eight or something and that was like three months into the season like it was ridiculous so this team is firing on all cylinders i can't remember if i was higher on them going into the year i might have been on the same page case like being a bit scared off from their their past season and you had them five had them five yeah so it's it's about what you know around the same but they're a good team and another team like vancouver they kind of unlocked their potential here and everything's going well for them right now well brad tree living the gm kind of said it and uh it it proved to be true that he felt that this was a group that is really good and just underachieved last season and uh boy is that true you mentioned johnny goudreau his career high is 99 points that he had a couple of years ago he's been excellent and i know that there are a lot of hockey people out there who really feel that this heart trophy race is wide open for the first time in a while and i don't think johnny goudreau is going to win the heart trophy but his name does come up in that conversation he's been that good another guy is lindholm he has been absolutely sensational for the flames and 
for me, should be in the conversation for a Selkie trophy. Like that guy has been excellent for this team. Uh, they just, they look really deep right now. Mangiapane's got 29 goals on the year, a breakout year for him. Uh, they are just firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I checked recently and Lindholm is third in odds for the Selkie right now. Awesome. Damn. And he's been great in fantasy too, I'll say that. Mangiapane <laughs> also came out of the gate. Didn't he have like 18 goals and like five assists or something out of the gate? Like what an incredible player. Gotta love that guy. But yeah. No, yeah, they've been uh, they've been great for sure, for sure. Uh, so yeah, number one team in the Pacific, right there, the Calgary <clears throat> Flames. The number two team. We'll move on to them next. Uh, the L.A. Kings. We had them originally at fifth for our preseason Pacific Division rankings. So let's get into the L.A. Kings. Yeah, this is. I mean, I had them at fourth. Another another self promoting here. Uh, <laughs> I, I was pretty high on this team just because I, I kind of noticed that they were. I, I think the words I used were in the sexy part of the rebuild, and that they're acquiring players to win games to show their young guys how to win games. And there was a lot of young players that we were excited to see coming into the season. Um, you know, I, I think we've been pretty right about that. There's a lot of a lot of youth on this team and a lot of people stepping up. Um, we were super wrong about Byfield. I think I said he was going to have 30. Harp said he had, was going to have 40, and Chad said 50. Well, I think he's at three or something. He's played 14 yeah. games. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's always things we're going to be wrong about, but I think we were, we were higher on this team than a lot of people were, and uh, I feel pretty good about patting ourselves on the back about that one. Um you know, a lot of things have been working out for them. A lot of guys have been stepping up into to bigger roles and and really carrying this team. Drew Doughty's kind of back. Adrian Kempe's in like a whole nother level. And Kopitar's yeah. doing his Kopitar thing. You know, they've got a good little three way tandem going in net that that seems to be winning hockey games, even though the stats aren't necessarily there. So uh, a lot of good going for this team, and it's looking really good on Rob Blake and the. Uh, accelerated rebuild that's happening here yep. definitely it went so when they got Dano, first thing it was like okay this is a team now who is signaling that they're on the cusp you know they're acquiring players <clears throat> excuse me and they're ready to 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 make a push and like i think you're right case where you know we kind of looked at this team and we were a bit higher on them than a lot of people were because of that because they they addressed a need they were like listen we're going to acquire players we're going to play our rookies and and they've done both of those things so i think la at five still makes sense even though right now they're you know having a really good year if i'm la like i i think i stay put at the deadline by the way like i don't think i do much you you know you kind of just ride it out you're playing with house money at this point if you do make the playoffs and just you know kind of see what happens but if we're looking at the true like contenders right now i don't think la is one of them even though they're in second place in in that pacific division and it was the same with the ducks earlier in the year right like the ducks were overperforming you know they were riding a high of of trevor zegris and you know troy terry having an incredible year but now they've fallen down to fifth and so i think it's it might be the same sort of thing that happens to the kings in the second half of the season but so far so good for for this rebuild right now yeah. Well, to go back to our rankings quick before you jump in, Harp, um, we said that 
<laughs> doesn't matter where we rank these teams near the top because when it gets to playoffs, this Pacific division is going to do nothing anyway. So yeah. sure, LA is in second. Well, they're probably going to they're they're going to be out in the second round at least. So that's that's kind of what we said, and we'll see what happens. But I'm still not overly high on anyone in this division other than yeah. Calgary and Vegas. So mm-hmm. no, I, I agree. And just uh, sticking with uh, the LA Kings talk for a minute, I think like yes, case I agree. We were we were high on them, and and they made some good moves to accelerate the rebuild. Dino, as you mentioned, Chad, he's been a great fit. Victor Arvidsson is another guy they brought in who's that's fit right. in really well. And I think our concerns were in net and on D, right, guys? And Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson have been excellent, as you mentioned, Case. But on the back end as well, they've got Dowdy and then just a bunch of young D. And they've all played really well, even with uh, without Sean Walker for uh, pretty much the entire season. Alex Sedler as well. He's another name uh, that they brought in as sort of that veteran presence. So they've got a really nice mix and it's been really nice to see them take a step this year. For sure. All righty, gentlemen, we will continue to move along here. And uh, Case, I know you got a lot to say about this team and you just want (laughs) to rip into Chad and I. So uh, don't worry, we'll get to that. It is the the Seattle Kraken. So, Chad, I know you and I were a lot higher on the Kraken than Case was. We had them at number six in this division. Uh, They are in eighth. And uh, honestly, I mean, you could make the case that they should be in 32nd right now uh, in, in the NHL. It has been a tough first season for the 32nd franchise in the NHL, the Seattle Kraken case fire away. Yeah. I, I, so one of the reasons why I wanted to like go back and listen to the episode is because I wanted to hear what we had to say about Seattle. Cause I remember it being the most adamant I've ever been in one of these rankings episodes that I was like, what are you talking about? And uh, yeah, basically I had them in eight and I said, they're going to be an absolute dumpsters fire. And you guys had them, at, I think four or five. And I talked about scoring goals. I said this team is all third-line players. They're all guys that have been given shots in the past and never really succeeded anyways. So getting an even larger role, it's like I just didn't see it working out for this team because I didn't think they had a great decor and I did not think they are going to be able to score goals. And that's been the case. They're 29th in the league for goals uh, per game, 28th for goals against. And their special teams have been absolutely atrocious because they have a power play full of third line players. There's no overly skilled puck dishers on this team. So it just hasn't worked out yet. Um, You know, they're going to get a sick draft pick out of this. And it's kind of the way um, it's the way an expansion team is supposed to go. They're not supposed to be vegas and be unreal in their first year with guys blowing up this is how it's supposed to go and i think the league is maybe a little you know behind closed doors very happy that it's turning out this way but um yeah like like i said it's goals they they can't score goals and they're getting scored on a lot 
<laughs> yeah, I think the second point is is more prominent in my mind. They're getting scored on a lot, and that was the whole kind of reason why I thought Seattle was going to be, you know, not a not a good playoff team, but sort of on the bubble, like anywhere between four, five, six. You know, I thought they'd be competitive in a shitty division, but that has not been the case. And and the problem is. Uh, on top of not being able to score a lot of goals, because I recognize that is a thing. And, you know, I, I realized at the start that, you know, I said they're going to score by committee and that hasn't really happened. I think they've got three guys right now who are on pace to score between 50 and 60 points, which like, you know, that's not nothing that they, they do have, like, I would say a second line, a good second line for, you know, those three guys. But other than that, like it's been atrocious. And, the reason that I was a bit higher on them was their goaltending. Like I thought they'd win a ton of games 2-1, you know, 3-2 type thing because they had two guys last year who were amongst the top in goal saved above expected in the entire NHL. And then this year, both of those guys are towards the very very bottom of that list. So it's like it's such a random occurrence that like their goaltending was so good last season and by their goaltending i mean these guys on different teams but that goal saved above expected does account for you know scoring chances and opportunities and quality of opportunities as well but now they've just been total dog shit this year and that's something that i didn't see coming and and i so i just want to say that was the main reason why seattle like i was I guess high on them, like four, five, six, like a bubble team, a bit higher than Casey for sure. But so I want to defend my point there. Um, but I do agree, Case, like the scoring point, like I'll, I'll admit, like that's, you know, it hasn't happened this year. They haven't scored by committee. They've barely scored at all. Yeah. And kind of the argument that I like the most that I made, it was, it was near the end because I just kept wanting to come back to Seattle and tell you guys that they're going to be lost in this division. And it was, it was talking about Vegas and how it's a bunch of guys that were never given a shot. There's some skilled players that were never given a shot. Here's your chance. Go for it. But then there's guys on, on Seattle that they've had their chance at, and Yarncrock and Eberle and uh, Wenberg and all of them really, yeah. they all were given a shot on other teams didn't really work out and then they got picked up in seattle for a second shot and it still hasn't really worked out it's a it's a team full of third liners and they're scoring like a team full of third liners i would have expected them to play a little more defense yeah like a team full of third liners because that's usually your shutdown line and i mean it's just not really working out um I know, like, I was pretty high on their goaltending tandem as well. I did almost spit my coffee out when you you said that it was the best one in the league. Um, I was one like, of one. I of. was like, maybe not. You said best in the league, and I was like, they're good, but not that good. Well, and then we were on. both just completely wrong. That we the were tandem has just been god awful. We were, but listen to this. Last season, in terms of goal saved above expected, which is I think the best measure for goaltending in the NHL right now. Philip Grubauer ranked 11th in the entire NHL. Chris Drieger ranked 14th. So there's two things about goalie stats. One of them is, regardless of how many metrics it is to, to try to point out above expected, they're still a product of the teams they play on, like in the system that's in front of them. Um, and then the other thing is, it's the most sporadic position in any sport. You cannot predict who's going to be a good goalie every single year because you never know what's going to happen. Like uh, there's well, the, some just weird 
anomalies happening in the season right now like Bobrovsky like he was not good the last three years and he's seeing more danger than most teams and his team is winning games at will not only because they're scoring a lot of goals but because he's playing so well too so it's like goaltending is just something you can never put that much weight on when you're looking at these teams and I've learned my lesson now from Seattle, but I think the general problem with goalie stats is just sample size because like goalies just play fewer games and mm-hmm. you have fewer opportunities to measure what a player is capable of doing on a consistent basis. So th- to me, like sample size is the main problem. And that's why maybe we sh- I shouldn't have put so much stock into this goaltending, you know, tandem, which I still think like if we're talking last year, I think that is the best tandem going into this season if we're looking at stats alone, but it's sample size. So and different team. I mean, yeah, it's I'm, I hear you like I hear you when it comes to the advanced analytics of goaltendings, but like it's a different team. Like It's just totally just yeah. drastically different. Yeah. You can take a high goal scorer and put them on different teams and it's not going to affect them nearly as much as putting a goaltender on a, a shitty team when they're used to playing for the top two teams in the league definitely which is why you use the contextual stats rather than just like straight up goals against average and save percentage because we know at this point like even the casual fan kind of knows that those don't work and that's why you use the above and below expected stats which does account for the amount of high danger medium danger low danger shots that you see in a typical game and then bases you know whether you're saving more or less than what an average goalie would and so or, or sorry what an average goalie is expected to and so that's it's like, you know, we shouldn't get into the whole advanced stats conversation. But the point is, I was too high on the goaltending because I relied on the stats when goaltending, small sample size, and it's mostly voodoo. And we've seen that with like basically every goalie in the league this year, even the two who play for the Maple Leafs, who I'm watching right now. So <laughs> I I was with you on the goaltending. I thought uh, Grubauer and Drieger, that's a good tandem. But uh, you mentioned sample size, and it was a small sample size for Chris Drieger last year on a very good team in the Florida Panthers, and he was excellent. But that was kind of the question, you know, would he would he be as good uh, on that bridge deal that Seattle signed him to? And it's been a rough first year, and it's been a rough uh, first year for Grubauer as well, who's on a long-term contract. So uh, things will get better, and uh, they will be able to – Put a better product on the ice in front of those two, but uh, yeah, for for this year, it's it's been a rough go for Seattle and uh, Chad. You and I were maybe a little higher on them than we should have been. So uh, I'm going to go back to my point. Not out. I'm going to go back to my point that I made in the previous episode. I think you guys were just too scared. You know, you were worried about them being good. Uh, and- <laughs> I I heard that, and you know who said that to me, Case uh, John. He was like, because I told him of the rankings when they happen, and he was like, you know, you might be a little scared. And I was like, dude, like that's not the case. Like I believe in their goaltending. I believe in their depth, even though they don't have the top end scoring. But anyways, we've seen this year that it's blown up. But I I'm still of the opinion that if they had average goaltending, league average goaltending, like I said about Pittsburgh last year in the playoffs when Jari was playing absolutely terrible and and now he's one of the best in the league I said the same thing it's like if if a team gets league average goaltending if they have the depth they'll be fine and clearly those two teams are structured completely differently but I believed in in Seattle and I just don't think you know we can truly say 
how good they would be if if they had league average goaltending. It's tough, but you know. Well, they probably would still be scoring the 29th least amount of goals in the uh, league. Yeah, and maybe that's the case, but maybe they let in, you know, the third or fourth fewest goals in the NHL if that's, you know, if the goaltending is true. Alrighty, let's move on to uh, the uh, the San Jose Sharks and uh, gentlemen. Get the confetti out. This was uh, this was a team that we were <laughs> spot on with. <laughs> we were we were bang on with this team. So uh, we picked them seventh before the season started, and they're currently in seventh right now in the in the Pacific Division. They are one spot ahead of the Seattle Kraken, who's in eighth. The team that we just talked about. Uh, let's talk about the San Jose Sharks, uh, a team that. Will be watched, of course, with uh, the negotiations for a contract extension with Tomas Hurdle. So uh, let's talk about San Jose. Well, here's a team that has half of your formula of success, Chad. They have uh, league average goaltending or better with James Reimer really stepping up, but they just don't have that second piece. And it's the depth of this team. It's a it kind of exactly how we expected this season to play out for them other than the fact that they have two guys playing like absolute studs in uh Meyer and hurdle so um yeah no surprises here we had them at seventh for a reason there's a lot of an aging core uh not a lot of depth and not a lot of goal scoring going on here here either yeah and and you mentioned it too with a guy like timo meyer I don't think at the start of the year we predicted him to be ranked 14th in our fantasy league uh, this far into the season. This guy is so good. He's having an incredible season, and uh, like we just didn't expect that. I, If I were to go back and listen to what I said about the Sharks, I feel like I would be just like upset because I feel like I just shit on them the entire time when like they have good pieces like they have Meyer and Hurdle who this year have proven that they deserve, you know, some some recognition around the league. The problem is, as we know, they've got Brent Burns and Eric Carlson tying up nearly 20 million dollars on the back end. So add uh, add Mark Edward Vlasic and his seven million dollar cap hit in there as well. So there you go. We know what the problem is with this team, and like seventh made sense. Get the confetti out. We picked it. <laughs> we got one right <laughs> so far, boys. This is great news. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and I I think like it just goes to show how wide open this division is. With you know us getting down to you know seventh here and and. It's the first one we've gotten right. But yeah, like this is where we expected San Jose to be. They've got some pieces, but they could really use that number one overall pick or, or a, a top three pick to add another piece for the future. William Eklund's going to be great. He he got some experience at the start of the year. And San Jose was actually surprisingly good at the start of the year. If you guys remember, it was like, holy crap, like, could they maybe squeak in in a weak division where those really, it's really just Vegas and and Edmonton. So we thought at the top, you know, could San Jose maybe surprise us and and sneak in, but they've kind of fallen back down to earth and uh, it it has been a struggle for quite a while. Another good piece that uh, will get a nice second contract as well is Mario Ferraro on the blue line. We mentioned Carlson and Burns. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 they're aging on the blue line, but they've got Ferraro, who I think is a real good player for them on the on the back end. So, uh, yeah, congrats, boys. We were bang on with San Jose. <laughs> I I wonder with the Sharks, and and this is like out of left field. I haven't really thought about this, guys, but I wonder about the Sharks if they pull a Minnesota and just buy out a couple massive contracts, and just so that they can be competitive because. That Carlson contract is not going to get any better ever. Saint, like, and Burns, you probably keep. I think he's he's still effective. He's been having a good season, and Carlson's no slouch either. But I just wonder if they value cap space more than those guys in the immediate, because I know in a couple of years it's going to be costing you. Like Minnesota, I think has like twelve million against the cap as early as next season, or it might be the season after because of those buyouts. But I, ju- I just wonder if, if they value cap space in the short term, if they think they can make a few deals to, to turn it around or because like they have some good pieces. I don't know. Just just some food for thought. Well, that that was kind of the thought process, I think, in the off season is that like we could make a couple of moves like they brought in Nick Benino. They brought in uh, Reimer and Aiden Hill completely revamped the goaltending, which, as we know, was a problem last season with with Martin Jones in particular. Uh, and uh, and they brought in uh, Andrew Cogliano as well. I'm not sure if I mentioned him already, but, you know, like they made some moves to to basically say, like, you know, it's it's kind of a wide open division for like in those bottom spots and maybe we could squeak in a wild card spot or whatever but uh yeah it just it just hasn't worked out and and uh this team is definitely looking towards the future but again you you mentioned carlson you mentioned burns those contracts are a problem but i i I really can't emphasize enough the vlasic contract and how that has become a problem as well and uh and you know that's seven million bucks right there so it'll be interesting to see uh what san jose does but uh yeah good on us uh we we got it right they're they're in seventh uh all right and we'll move on to uh the anaheim ducks who were such a surprise at the start of the year they came out red hot they uh you know they're they're still in the race but it their their hopes are dwindling for for getting into the postseason they've been so much fun to watch with with uh with trevor zegras in particular this year troy terry as well uh so we had them in eighth and they are currently in fifth in the pacific so let's wrap up uh this division by talking about the anaheim ducks well, I just want to say I had him in sticks, not a big deal, but we did settle on eighth because there was a whole lot of like uh, positive trashing of this team going on at the beginning of the season. There's a lot of, wow, it looks really good for the future, guys. But there's a, a few players here that they're ahead of schedule. They, they've shown up and they've taken over. And then a couple guys that are playing you know, out of this world that we never expected in like a Troy Terry. That's an unbelievable season. He was in the rocket race for a little bit. Um, not so much anymore, but he's still such a great story for this season. And uh, you you got to love where this team's headed right now that there's a lot of good young pieces. They've got a lot of good culture and a lot of uh, the fan base. Like everyone's got to love Trevor Zegers right now. I used to not and i've fully come around on this guy i think he's a he's a lot of fun for this league and uh, someone that we definitely need it's going to be like him and caulfield and and hughes it's their league like in the future here because they're just such personalities compared to everyone else but like i don't have much else to say about this team playing wise like i think that they're getting by in a pretty weak division and 
kind of playing a little bit out of their depth, but in a positive way. So, yeah, another guy who's had a good season, a good bounce back season because he hasn't been fantastic the last couple of years is John Gibson. He's he's had a good year this year, which is, you know, he, he's always been good. And then a few seasons ago, he was like really good, like one of the best, like top three goalie in the NHL. And so he's kind of found that middle ground now where he's just always so good. He's consistent and you can count on him. And so that's another guy who's had a stellar season, definitely contributed to their success as well. But a couple points there, Case. Like, if someone told me that Troy Terry was going to be the best player on this team for the first three months of the season, I would have laughed you out of the room. Like, like what the hell? Where did Terry come from? Like, you just unlocked that, you know, bit of confidence that players just need sometimes. And, and he was incredible. And then if you would have told me that Zegris and Drysdale were playing like 20 minutes a night carrying this team, I, again, I would have been like, no, what the hell? Like, no. We knew that they were going to be good, but Drysdale for me is the one that surprises me the most because I think Zegris, we kind of knew that he was ready, but Drysdale has been holding his own on the back end as well. So a lot of nice surprises for this team. They're only going to get better in the future. And, um, you know, we did have them in that eighth spot that might be a product of, of, uh, me in particular, but maybe a, a bit of heart being stubborn as well, putting the Seattle Kraken up there. So might have just been a byproduct of that. But yeah, good things ahead in the future for the Ducks. I, they're only a point out of the, the wild card spot right now. Um, they're sitting in fifth in the Pacific behind Edmonton. But if I'm putting my chips on the table and if I'm putting you know my faith in a team, it's probably going to be Edmonton over the Ducks, even though Edmonton has a million problems. I think you know, I'll pick the two best players in the world over, uh, you know, the Ducks any day. So that's my take on them. And guys, like, I know we were going to do both in, in the West tonight. Are you guys cool with chopping it up per division? I did not think we would take this yeah. long, but <laughs> but so like it's been fun. It's been good. And so yep. why don't we cap it at the Pacific Division? And so our next three weeks then will be the Central and then we'll do the Metro and then the Atlantic uh, to, to finish off our revisiting episodes of, of, you know, when we did these rankings in the, in the preseason. So is, is that cool with you guys? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Okie doke. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.